good to see the room filling up a little bit. Uh, just a few things to announce this morning. I think there will be some information on Angel Tree later on in the entryway there. You can see Marge McKeever if you need more information on that. Also, you want to check your bulletin because there's a lot of announcements about things that are not going to happen this week. So if you were planning to show up, you might show up to an empty building due to Thanksgiving. One other announcement that I really want about half of you to pay attention to. So if, if you can help me, if you're a man in this room, raise your hand. Okay, we're going to go on a shopping trip to Mall of America. No. <laughs> <laughs> All the hands went down. Actually, I need your hands back up again, if you would. If you have learned anything in your life, keep your hand up. If you've learned anything that you think might be useful to other men, keep your hand up. So I want you all to look around now and see who's got their hands up. Because if you got your hand up or if you have it down, we have something coming up on December 5th that is for all of us, because we're trying to make it a little bit easier to connect men with men, because all of us, whether you had your hand up or not, you've all learned something in life that would be useful to somebody else. And it could be anything from, you know, fixing your computer, some of you young guys put your hands back up, to uh, uh, life advice, financial advice, there's something that, that each of us has to offer that other men need. And so we're going to try to spend, it'll just be from 8.30 to 10 in the morning. We'll feed, feed you because that's much more important than shopping. And <laughs> we'll just have an hour and a half where we'll, we'll try to do that. Not going to be threatening. Nobody has to stand up and, and talk. Um, so we would really like you to be there. And then you'll have, I think, nine hours from when it's over till the Big Ten Championship game starts, too. So no excuses. Finally, during the next song, the offering is going to come around, and the second offering is the love offering for the missions that were talked about last week. Turkey Bowl. I was trying to uh, avoid this. <laughs> Thursday morning, Thanksgiving morning. Who's excited for Thanksgiving? Yes. Turkey Bowl is going to be right here at 9 o'clock for anybody who wants to play football. You would love to, That'd be, yeah, but Mike's going to be, remember Mike this week, he's going to be sipping his uh, turkey dinner through a straw, um, so you can send him pictures of your meal if you want to do that. Mike's a good friend, so I can torture him like that. Um, I love worshiping with you guys, um, because one of the things I believe about worship is that when we worship, we get to whatever is going on in life, uh, whether good or bad, whether we're having a hard time seeing it God's way, uh, whether we're having a hard time seeing ourselves the way God sees us. When we worship, it puts everything into perspective because we're not any longer thinking about what is wrong with us, but we're thinking about what is right with God. And, um, and there's nothing more powerful than the cross of Christ. So when we can be reminded of the gospel, we're reminded of how much Jesus loves us and how much does Jesus love us, no matter what. And so we are found in him, and we get to rest in him in these moments right now. So let's just worship our majesty, Jesus Christ, together. Lord, we worship you in your presence now. Father, I beg 
that in your spirit you would wrap your arms around us and remind us of how much you love us, God, that you are majestic, that you are high in heaven, above everything you reign, God, but you want relationship with us, God. So I pray that in these moments that you would speak through your servant, Tim, that you would, um, God, just bring alive your word in your spirit, move us to change, Lord. But most of all, may we be reminded of the peace and the comfort and the love that comes only from you through Jesus Christ because of his blood shed on the cross. So, Father, we just want to sit in peace in these moments and know your love like never before. Wrap your arms around us, God. I pray that we would wrap our arms around you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can you guys can be seated. It's kind of fun this morning. I actually have people in the front row. I don't usually have that. And that brings a little more energy. I might give you guys high fives in the middle of things if it's going well. So we'll see. I just put your hand up if you think it's good and I'll give you a high five. Uh, if any of you saw, I don't know if you saw on Facebook the title of the message this morning. Uh, if you're looking now and you're confused by what that could mean, I, I was thinking to myself, that could actually, you know, people might have been thinking, is that a new version of the Bible that I don't know? Like NIV, NAS, EKG? That is not a new version of the Bible. Uh, EKG is, is a method doctors use, it's a tool doctors use to, to measure, to monitor uh, the health of your heart, the activity of your heart. I'm in the life insurance business, and so I see that word a lot. And generally what happens is people submit life insurance applications, and I see a lot of people come back declined or postponed based on the results of that EKG because of the health of their heart or the inactivity of their heart. And so this morning, uh, before we get to our main passage, there's going to be a little challenge before we get there. Right now, what if God looked down and, and he did like this spiritual EKG of our hearts right now? like measured and, and monitored the health of our heart for him, the activity of our heart for him, what would he see? I mean, you guys can, you can look at your own heart as we're talking about this, and, and you can look past the, the pride of, you know, I've got this great heart for God, and, and kind of measure that yourselves, and, and, and look to yourself to see what God might see if he was looking at that. Is it a heart that's kind of flatlining? Not much going on there. Maybe no relationship, no belief. Maybe it's, it's this heart that just like, deep, deep, just barely hanging on. And maybe it's, it's a big, healthy heart. But what would God see if he looked down right now and he said, I, I want to look at their hearts and I want to see the health there. And, and, and in my opinion, the real only way to measure that is how much this heart beats for God above anyone else how much it loves God we refer to this passage all the time and you guys don't turn there uh, Nick talked about it a few weeks ago a couple weeks ago Mark chapter 12 verse 30 and 31 love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind with all your strength the second is this love your neighbor as yourself there is no commandment greater than these. You know, in reality, we could preach on a lot of things every Sunday, but we could always begin and end with that. It's, it's that simple. The Christian life, following after God, 
is loving God and loving others. Loving God and loving people. You're going to hear me say it a hundred times this morning. Loving God and loving people. And as we get into 1 Peter chapter 4, and he kind of gives us this blueprint of what it looks like to follow after Christ. But there's no reason for us to get to that point this morning if we don't stop and, and look at what the most important thing is. And all of this comes from a heart that must love God and love people. Plain and simple. Is that what our heart would reflect? Are we the ones flatlining? Are we the ones barely getting a little tick on there? Is it a healthy heart, though, that turns to God and says, I love you, and because I love you, now I want to love people? I was reading in this book, You and Me Forever by Francis Chan, and he talked about people in the church. And I think this is, this is convicting. It's, it's telling of, of who we are, of who I am. The hard part for me, and, you know, I'm so anxious to get up here and talk about this. It's such a good passage. But mostly I'm anxious because I really believe, and, and truly, and I told Nick this a few weeks ago. I've told many people, I believe our church is in a great place to be able to start taking some great moves, not for ourselves, but for other people. To see lives change. Because if we are a church full of people, whether you love greatly or love little, I don't think anybody would argue with the fact that they want to see people's lives change. They want to see people love. They want to see people taken care of. And so Francis Chan's talking about people in the church, and he's talking about me, and it was very convicting, and I'll read this. He said, I recently read an article about the fattest people on earth, people weighing well over 1,000 pounds, people who are eating themselves to death. At a certain point, they, lose, they lost the ability to walk. Eventually, they were bedridden and depended on others feeding them because they could no longer even feed themselves. He says, it reminded me a lot of people I find in the church. They are fed more and more knowledge every week. They attend church services, join small group Bible studies, read Christian books, listen to podcasts, and are convinced they still need more knowledge. Truth is, their biggest need is to do something. They don't need another feast on doctrine. They need to exercise. They need to work off what they've already consumed. Some have become so used to consuming the word without applying it that you wonder if they even can. These are the spiritually bedridden, resigned to spending the rest of their lives studying the word without ever making disciples or tangibly caring for others. I mean, that is, that's as telling as it gets about the church today. We come to church, we feed ourselves, we get up here and we speak out of 1 Peter chapter 4, then we go to our small groups, and we do our awana, and we go to Bible studies, and we do all of these things, yet we are the church full of people that are so full of knowledge and so lacking in action. And so now there's this hurt world out there of people that need people, that need love, that need care, to need who know who Jesus Christ is, and we sit here as the church just gaining more knowledge without action. And the, the point of this is that there, there really is no point. If you love God so much and all you're going to do is sit there and listen to his words but do nothing with it, then it's pointless. The saddest thing about, about believers in the Christian life, and I think unbelievers see that in us, is look, they claim to love God. They claim to, to be different. Yet what are they doing throughout the week? Where's the action? What are they doing with this? And so I think 
the hardest part is the people. It's not the people saying, you know what, I don't love God. I've got no relationship with him. It's the ones that say, I do love God. I have a relationship with him. I read his word, and then I do nothing. My actions are not there. I think that's the most damaging thing. In Revelation 3.16, Jesus is speaking to the church of Laodicea. And he says, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will what? I will spit you out of my mouth. How convicting is that? He's talking to the church. And he's saying, either be cold or hot. But if you're going to sit right here in the middle, and you're going to claim to love me, and you're going to read my word, and you're going to do these things, small groups, but you are not going to go take action, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Because you're just lukewarm. I mean, we've heard this over and over and over again. And... And to a point, for me in my life, 36 years old, I can be convicted very often of this, but not take the actions that need to follow. And so we're going to jump into 1 Peter chapter 4, and we're going to actually backtrack a little bit to what Nick was talking about last week. And so you can start in chapter 3. We'll start there at verse 18. So Peter is talking to Jewish believers that are struggling with persecution, suffering for Christ. Um, this is the early church where there was a lot of like physical persecution and suffering going on. And so when we say suffering for Christ, it's a lot different than what it actually looks like for us now. Because they were, they were facing death. They were facing persecution. So, so Peter's challenging the shirt, or, uh, these, these Christians and, and pressing them forward and striving on for Christ. And you could almost say the whole theme of 1 Peter is the suffering because it just keeps coming back. It keeps coming back. Nick talked about it last week. He's going to talk about it next week. And so chapter 3, verse 18, for Christ died for for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive by the Spirit. Through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in, uh, spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and as, as at God's right hand, with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. And now into our chapter today. Therefore, therefore, because of that, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, have the same attitude. We start right there. The suffering. Suffering is not something that I come here on Sunday morning and when I'm one of you guys sitting right there and I'm not up there speaking and I'm hearing the, the, the passage. It's not something that I say, all right, I'm going to go to church on Sunday and then I cannot wait to go suffer on Monday. None of us say that. None of us are ready to go, man, I want to go suffer for Christ right now. Suffering implies something that is not very pleasant. <laughs> but what it says is, it says follow in Jesus' example, be like Jesus. Follow his attitude. 
follow his example of what he's done. And that suffering that he did was the ultimate example of love. Jesus suffered to the point of death for every single one of us in here. Whether we believe it or not, he suffered for every single one of us. The ultimate example of love and sacrifice and suffering. And so it says, be like Christ. Have that same mindset. And so in today's world, suffering, I mean, you might think it's something like running the Living History Farms race in 20 degree weather and snow. But, but that's not the suffering that he's talking about. Suffering for Christ means you are going to go into a world that, that is not easy. That there are many things that believers even face today. I mean, we're not facing that physical persecution, but, but in other parts of, the, of other countries they are. But we're going to be looked at as different. We're going to be seen as different. It's going to come with sacrifice. And that sacrifice that we turn around and give, that's our love towards God because we saw the suffering that he made for us. And we continue on. He says, as a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past done doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it is strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation. And they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him for to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but living according to God in regard to the spirit. So as we suffer for Christ, as we take on that same mindset. Something happens. Our sin is not so apparent to us anymore. It's not so tempting to us. As we start to get past our selfishness and we serve and we suffer for Christ, we start to distance ourselves from the sins that hold us back. Because as soon as we, we let go and say, all right, I'm yours, I'm doing this for you, and we give our hearts fully over to God, then they, we, we don't need those things that we turn to, that take the place of God. Because all sin is, is just our selfishness and the things we reach out to to try to cover up our pain and our own hurts. But if we have God and we turn to God and we say, I'm going to take on the mindset of God and I'm going to turn to Him, that sin becomes something in the past. And so we put those desires aside. And we start seeing ourselves distance, distancing ourselves from those those desires. And, you know, we read a bunch of things like orgies and all this stuff. You know, you could put your own sin in there. I mean, this was some of the things that those, those folks back in the day were struggling with, and some to this day as well. But in the church today, you could put your own sin in there. We've put ourselves in a position to be able to distance ourselves from those sins. And, and the world doesn't necessarily understand it, is what it's saying. The, it says the pagans, but you can just say the world looks at us and says... Why don't you take, partake in this stuff anymore? It's fun. It's good. It makes you happy. But as we take on the mindset of Christ, as we offer ourselves up to suffer and live for him, it's not like we're even having to make that choice to put the sin behind us. It just goes because all our heart is focused on is loving and serving Christ. So in essence... We've said goodbye to what that is. 
And they see it, and they see us as weird. They see us as different. We live a certain way. Why would you want to give up yourself all the time and put that fun stuff behind you? Well, you know what? I'm taking on the mindset of God. And, and, and if my greatest command is to love God and love people, this is what I'm going to do. This is how it's going to look. And, and you know what? People could call me weird. You, you probably should. I am weird. But I'm okay with people calling me weird if that's what my life looks like. I mean, I am an over-emotional, over-dramatic man who wears his heart on his sleeve. And if God can use me, of all people, then God can use every single person in this room to do just that. To love God and to love people. So we put that sin behind us and we move forward. And so we get this great challenge starting in verse 7. The end of things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Prayer, I believe, is one of the hardest things for believers. And maybe if you pulled this room, they'd actually say, you know, it's actually one of the easiest things to do. It's like talking to God. How hard is that? But if you got down to it, prayer really, it requires faith. You're talking to somebody who's not standing there in front of you, and, you, and you're, you're crying out to him, and you're asking him for these things and to reveal these things to you. And it requires faith to talk to God and to listen to God. And so he's saying, Peter's saying, the end of things is near. Now, you know, we've been hearing that over and over and over, and, and the world keeps going on, but I think you could still say today we're supposed to live with urgency. We don't know what they meant by, the, I mean, the end could be coming at any point. But the point is to live with urgency. So we have to have a clear mind and we have to pray, but we have to pray in faith. For an example of that, our small group, and, and again, this is no, I, I've talked about some different things that we've done. And this is no way to bring any kind of praise to what we've done because we are working through this stuff. But what we have tried to do is apply prayer and service. And it started last year when we were reading through Crazy Love. And we kept reading through it, and we're like, you know, this is kind of stupid, because we just keep reading through the study, but we're not doing any of this. So why don't we read, and then why don't we pray, and then why don't we go do something? And so that started last year, and we actually did pray, and it was really hard to just stop and listen. And the Lord led us to Patty. And we had this great time with her for a few weeks. And the coolest thing is now Patty's in our small group this year, and we have that relationship with her. So we, we continue that this year. And to do that, it puts a lot of it puts a pressure on you to have great faith in prayer. And so three weeks ago, we met. And we started praying about what we wanted to do next in service. And I remember that night, as I'm praying, I remember I'm wrestling with faith. Saying, I'm praying this, but I'm trying to figure out actually who I should go serve and what I should go do and how it should look. And I remember we talked about it that night. And we're trying to pray in faith, but we're also wrestling with our human minds saying, all right, who are we going to go help? And then we're like, stop. We just have to pray. And if we have no answer tonight, we're just going to, we're planning on going and serving somebody next Thursday night. It's going to happen. We don't know what it is. We don't know what it looks like, but we're going to pray in faith. And so we prayed. That weekend, if you guys remember the news, there were a couple murders that happened in the Des Moines area, one in Waukee and one 
in Des Moines. Both of them, ironically enough, had a direct impact on people in our small group. And one in particular, the 17-year-old that murdered the 28-year-old was one of Jake's former students. And and Jake prayed, and, and he decided to go see the family. And so he went and saw him that Monday. And he's just talking to him, and he says, you know what? Our small group is looking for some people to serve on Thursday night. Can we come pray with you? Can we bring you some things? And they said, yes, for sure. And so, again, we start praying about what this could look like. And we kind of get in the way a little bit. But we got ourselves to that point. And throughout that week, we gathered food and gift cards and all these diapers and everything. Our whole small group came together. And so just a handful of went over that Thursday night this family's tiny little house and we brought all these things to him we didn't know what it's going to look like and we walk in and, and probably 20 people walk out of all these different rooms you know this big old family and, and you could see the hurt and the broken and, and the weariness on all of them the mother you could tell that just has been crying non-stop and, and we just gave hugs and we sat and we tried to talk to him about all these things but the coolest thing that happened that night and it left a mark on me forever is the moment we started to pray with them i don't know if they know who christ is i don't know if they have a relationship but i know in that moment as soon as we started to pray that whole room settled in and started to breathe a little easier and if you were in that room, and you, you would have felt it too. And I could see emotions. I saw emotions in the men. I saw emotion in the mom. I saw emotion in the women. And in those few moments, and I, I could tell you that. That night, I prayed, and I started feeling that from them. And I started feeling the presence of God over these people. I didn't want to stop praying. <laughs> I mean, I just kept going and going. And I even stopped, and I said, I'm sorry. I don't want to stop. Because the power of prayer was evident. And so, my heart in that moment, and I can tell you this. When I was praying and I was there and I was serving and loving people and I wasn't thinking about myself, that's the closest my heart has felt to God in a long, long time. Because I was there in the trenches with him and his people fighting for others who needed love. And we were praying, and that's where it's coming from, this prayer of faith, to be able to step out and say, I'm going to pray in faith that lives are going to be changed, that things are going to happen, because I love God, and I love people. I love God, and I love people. It says, above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Above all, love each other. Love those in this room. Love those beyond these walls. But above all, it comes back to this love. Love others. When we love others, we're not thinking of ourselves, And we take on the mindset of Christ. And it says it covers a multitude of sins. How can love not cover up hurt between friends? hurt between family members, hurt people out in this world? How could love not help cover up all of this multitude of sins? Jesus was the greatest example of love covering sins when Jesus went to the cross and covered our sins. 
He went to the cross and he took the place of our sins. And he said, they are no more. You're forgiven. I've given you eternity. Above all, love each other. And then it goes into what we do with this love. And here's where the service comes in. Here's where the actions come in. There's this theme, right? We are willing to take on the mindset of Christ, suffer. We are going to pray. We're going to love. And now we take action in service. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength of, that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory. So, love in action. Not words. It's pretty easy to come here on Sunday morning and sing these songs and to say, you know what, I love people. I want to go serve people. But love and action, it takes a lot more than just words. I mean, we have to, to, to be doing things for other people that gives of ourselves. And it may, it may feel great because we, like I said, that night that we went over to serve this family, you know, I felt so connected with God. So it may feel great because you're in the presence of God and you feel that connection where he is coming alongside you. And it may be really hard and feel miserable because you're giving of yourself and you're giving of time, time that you want for other things. But true love of Christ and love of God's people and love of others is giving of yourself in action. So it says, open your home. You have a home, use it. Let people in. I think that's probably one of the hardest things to do. I'm kind of OCD. I like, you know, things that I know and I don't like change. And so if I bring somebody in my home that I don't know very well, you know, I'm going to have to keep my house nice for them. And I'm like, no, it's not. See, this is, this is our mind. We try to reason with ourselves all the time to talk ourselves out of, well, this is a home. People need to, you know, be asked into your home. There's lots of people that could use that hospitality, that love. And so invite people into your home. When you speak to them, use the very words of God. Don't try to use your own rationale, your own words. These words up here that I have this morning, they're just man's words. But what I'm trying to bring is the Holy Spirit and God's words. And so when I speak, I use scripture. I use God's words. And so when you speak, you speak confidently that these words are not coming from me. They're coming from God. And so how can we not speak boldly to the hearts of those that are hurting if we are speaking the very words of God and not ours? Because as soon as I start using my words, I'm not so bold. But when I use God's words, when I use scripture, when I use the love of God through me, how could I not be bold? How could I not speak to people's hearts? And then it says, let the strength of God I'm going to read this so I don't get this wrong. If, if anyone serves, he should do it with the, the strength God provides. If anyone serves, he can only do it with the strength God provides. That's how we serve. That's how we take action. Here's the cool thing. You know, God says, greatest command, love me, love people. Put it in action. Serve. Show people that love. 
But you know what? The only reason that last Thursday night or two Thursday nights ago when we went to that family, the only reason that was a powerful night, because of the strength God provided. It wasn't because of Tim. It wasn't because of Jake. It wasn't because of anybody else in there. It was because of the strength God provided. And so if we're going to truly love, God says, you know what? I want you to go do this. But at the same time, I'm going to give you the means to do it. It's not of yourself. We are a, a church full of people that try so hard to think through these things and to will ourselves through these things and say, you know what, I'm going to go help these people over here. And then we can talk ourselves out of it and we can get in the way and we can do it the wrong way and we really don't speak to their hearts because we are not allowing ourselves to have the strength of God in us take over. And so God says, I will give you the strength that you need to be able to do these things. It's not of you. It's of me. This is not about you. It's about Christ loving others. It's about helping the hurting. And so what I want us to get is that we've gotten this blueprint here in in 1 Peter chapter 4. And then Nick's going to continue on and we're going to talk about the suffering next week. But take on the mindset of Christ. Be willing to suffer for him. Pray, love, serve. You know, it sounds simple, but it's the hardest thing that we could possibly do because it's giving of ourselves. And there's a reason why churches all over the place are struggling to reach out to the people beyond their walls. And there's a reason why people that don't know who Christ is see Christians and they think we're hypocrites. There's a reason for it. It's because we sit here and we get fat on the word and we do our routine But we are really, in essence, just playing church. We're not being Christ's hands and feet. We're sitting there with our hands in our pockets and our feet up on our recliners. How could we be his hands and feet if it's like this? Being his hands and feet is actually taking action and stepping out. So I ask you this. It's hard for us. Because I really do think, and I I believe in the good of of man in general, but those who love Christ. I think if you saw something, saw someone in need physically with your eyes, I would like to believe that we would take action. So think of this. What if you walked out this front door after church is over? We've sung our songs. We've talked to our people. We're walking out that door. And what if you walked out that door and right there on the pavement was a baby? And that baby's just laying there crying. Hasn't been held in weeks. How many of us would walk out that front door, see that baby, and run right to its side, pick it up, and hold it and show it love? I mean, I can guarantee you there's tons of mothers in this room that would be fighting you to get to that baby, to hold it. I can guarantee you there's some that are right now tempted to go check right now to see if it's actually taking place. If we walked out that door and we saw a baby laying there, we're going to go pick it up and we're going to hold it. What if you walked out the front door? I said I'm over-emotional. I confessed it today, so you can't judge me. What if you walked out that front door and there's a little boy, say a nine-year-old, like my son's age, except for on his face, you see brokenness, you see hurt, and he's there and he's just standing there holding the ball, just bouncing a ball right there. 
years of neglect, loneliness, no one there for him on those important days. What if you walked out and you saw him? Would you go to his side and would you talk to him? And would you start playing catch with him? And would you start spending time with him? What if you were parked on the side and you went outside to go to your car and you heard somebody in the garbage by the garage over there and you went over there and it was a single mom with her three little kids and she's digging through the garbage to find food to feed them. What if you saw that? Would you grab them and say, hey, get in my car. I'm going to take you down to Culver's. Would you buy them a big old meal? Would you show them love, speak truth to them, and see if there's anything else you can do to help them get back on their feet? What if you went outside and there was somebody screaming out for help? I'm lost. I don't have answers. I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know. Would you go try to hold them and hug them and give them answers or find somebody that could? What if you walked out the front door and there's somebody right out there right now holding a gun to their head? I see no value or reason for my life. Would you stop there? Would you try to speak truth to them and explain to them that there is value? There's importance. And would you walk over there and would you take that gun out of their hand, put your arms around them, and show them love that they've never experienced before because it's Christ's love. And this one's going to sound a little intense, and I don't mean it to. But those of us who believe in Christ, we understand eternity laid up for us in heaven, and we understand eternity separated from Christ. What if, what if we could actually see the lake of fire? This eternity that is separated from Christ and those who love Christ. And, and we could see someone with one foot in and one foot out, just barely hanging on there. And, and all we need to do is reach out our hand, pull them back in. This stranger. What if we're looking at this person who's just barely hanging over there, could be lost for eternity, and we start to make out a face? And it's a coworker that we recognize. Or it's a friend. Or it's our neighbor. Or it's my brother. My sister. My mom, my dad. Some of the closest people in our lives. And we had that opportunity to reach out our hand. Pull them back in. And say, you may not understand this. Sounds pretty crazy. But I love you. And I love you because I have the love of Christ in me. What if we could see those things? Because guess what? You can walk out there and you're not going to see those. But let me hit you with this. There are babies there are babies out there crying who are not being held. There are little boys out there that have no one to give them attention and love, to play catch with them. There are mothers doing everything they can to find food for their children. There are people crying for help because they are lost. And there are people who want to take their life today because they see no value. And there are millions who are going to die and never know the love of Christ. Because somebody will not reach out their hand. 
That is reality. So if we who claim to love Christ and love people cannot hear that and know that that's out there right now, and I'm not talking about in another country, I'm talking about in the Des Moines area. That's right there. How can we not get up off our feet right now and want to run out there and pray and act? Because the problem is, you could be convicted by that and you can understand that there are people out there that need this. That they're hurting. And you could, you could maybe reason with yourself and say, there's just this handful, a hundred people maybe in this room. Well, that's a hundred more people that are reaching out to those people who need Christ's love. And so if you want to claim to be a follower of Christ, if I want to claim to be a follower of Christ, then the only thing that's left is to take action, to go do something, to go hold a baby, to go tell somebody that God loves them, to go feed somebody. That's it. We could come here and read the Bible every day, but if we're just reading the Bible every day and never go do anything else with it, then it's pointless. Because we read the Bible to take action, to apply it, to love God and to love people. I'm going to tell one final story. Nick can come back up into the band. I was reading about this Christian his testimony, and it was his testimony from back in the days of the Holocaust. And he was telling about it, their church. And their church was by a, a, a railroad. And week after week, every Sunday, this train would go by. And they started to hear these like faint screams. And they started to figure out what these screams were, were the Jews that were being taken to death camps. And so this church would hear it week after week. So what they started to do was started singing as loud as they could. They took their hymns and they started singing as loud as they could to sing over the screams. And so finally, they could sing so loud that they didn't hear the screams anymore. And this Christian man tells of how years and years later, he still felt pain over the fact that they were sitting there as people that claimed to love Christ. And they sang as loud as they could over people that were being led to be slaughtered and never did a thing. Are we just sitting here singing over the screaming? Is that what we're doing? Am I just singing so loud that I'm drowning out the people that are out here beyond these walls that are crying for help. Is that who we are? Because if that's who you are, I pray to God that you want to change it today. I'm going to challenge you this morning That when we take communion and you come and you, you, you look at the sacrifice, and we talked about it, the suffering that was actually taking place for us, that's, that's the whole motivation behind all this. Love for us, and we turn it around to love for him. As you take that and you look at the body that was broken for you, the blood that was literally shed for you, I'm going to challenge you to go back, and if you want from today on, 
to change this aspect. And it's not going to be easy because it's just turning over to God. I want you to sit down and pray. And it doesn't have to be very long. But I want you to sit there, acknowledge that moment, pray to God. Lord, help me to change my heart and to love others like you want me to love them. Help me to put this into action. So go take your communion, come back. And if we have a whole room of people sitting and the band just playing and singing, that's fine. Nobody's going to be looking. People might be looking. (laughs) Doesn't matter. Go take the communion. Tell them thank you for dying for me. And then go sit there and pray, this is what I want to change. This is how I want to love you and love other people. Father God, just thank you so much for your word and the challenge from Peter, from you, for us, Lord, to to live loving you and loving others. There are lots of people that need help. And, And we claim to be those who love you and want to love others, Lord. So I pray that you would help us get past ourselves to be able to go serve those beyond these walls, to love other people, to bring them the help that they need, to be your hands and your feet. Thank you for this challenge, Lord, but thank you for salvation and the reason why we come here, the reason why we take this bread and this cup is because of the salvation and love that you gave us. So we praise you. We love you in your name. Amen. So yesterday, as I, uh, I was reading through the, the message, working through it, my son came up to me and he said, you know, Dad, I wrote a song. Can I sing it for you? I said, yeah, sing it for me. And it was called Be a Missionary. And, and in it, you know, I'm not going to tell you all these words. And, and, you know, it's a kid's song, so doesn't come across so so clearly but the point of it he says you don't have to travel to be a missionary you can do it right here said be a missionary teach the gospel to someone be a missionary teach them how to show God's love plain and simple from the mouth of a nine-year-old it's a song you wanted to write and I thought that was perfect timing that's that's what it is doesn't matter where you are. You don't have to go to China or wherever. I mean, you can do it right here. And so what your challenge is, is to, to leave this room and to walk off these walls. And remember, maybe walk out there and look at that sidewalk. And, and remember that that baby could be laying right there. But that baby that's not there, it's somewhere. That little boy's somewhere. Those people are somewhere. So go, so go teach the gospel. Be the gospel in action. Show the love of Christ. Go show someone God's love. And lastly, for those in this room that maybe don't know Christ, don't necessarily believe, I think it, I was sitting back there and I just wanted to say, you know, I, I know the concept of believing in God and, and following after a Christ and and us Christians who try to make it look good and sometimes don't do a good job of it. I know it seems really weird. But if you, if you can get past what, what seems weird to something that I believe 100% to be true, it will be the best decision you ever make in your life.
not the easiest, but the best. And so if you're trying to figure out who God is, go talk to somebody. I pray it would be today that your life starts taking on a different meaning and one found in Christ. So we'll leave it that. We'll sing one more song here before we go out of here, but let's put this to practice this week and then beyond. Thanks.